Alright, welcome to uh, NST and Things, uh, episode number 7. This is uh, in the, well, who the hell knows at this point, middle, beginning, end, uh, COVID, 2020, uh, what the shit happened. So, uh, I've been waiting a little while to do this podcast, I've uh, actually been enjoying quite a bit of time with my family. Um, I will say that I know many people have experienced uh, this slowdown, this virus, what's uh, what's occurring around us uh, in very different ways. And uh, for myself, I feel like I've, in a sense, prepared for bad days like this for quite some time. Uh, and I may kind of dabble in some of the things that I've, I've done, uh, to kind of prepare myself for rainy days a little bit throughout the podcast. Um, my mind is honestly in so many different places right now, uh, with everything that's going on, um, and coming out of a, uh, I don't know, roughly a four to, to five week period, uh, where we close the office down, uh, trying to make sense of that, but also trying to, um, get whatever kind of essence, you know, you needed out of that time, uh, as well. And juggling being a business owner, uh, which is some real shit. So, uh, I'm going to dive into a little bit of that. Um, I may just skip around. I may just ramble. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this is a, a different time. And, uh, like I said, this has kind of been a, a podcast that I've wanted to, do for a while and I wasn't sure exactly what I'd talk about and I was trying to create a little bit of structure and you know uh, I have some minor notes but really to hell with the whole plan um I know for myself uh well I should say for my office uh I'm an office in Sarasota Florida and we closed down the uh Shortly after, uh, they issued a, uh, a secondary clause, you could say, to an emergency order, uh, stating that elective procedures cease. Uh, at the time, I was very resistant to this. Uh, I am not a fan of uh, anyone uh, showing up and without uh, legal reason telling me that I can't conduct business. Uh, as a business owner and a citizen... I recognize that if there is something terrible happening, uh, we should all kind of do our part. So I made a decision that week and part of it was based on, you know, the information that was starting to come in, how things were changing, uh, which it changed every day. And also I looked at it as, uh, from a, a, a point of view of liability. So, uh, being a therapist, I interact with a lot of different people. I hear a lot of life stories and I've heard some terrible ones lately in the past couple years, uh, which when I see things reoccurring, whether it be, a, you know, a certain pain pattern or a patient or personality type showing up, uh, I've kind of started to hone in on that a little bit more. And, uh, I was just realizing that there were a lot of unfortunate things happening to like good people, like genuinely good people. And they just, you know, they were doing something silly and, you know, somehow they became liable for a situation that if maybe handled differently, they wouldn't have been. So my biggest concern was, and as any business owner uh, should have been concerned, uh, to have an individual 
that was ill come through your practice, come through your store. Uh, that person then potentially, you know, go get tested, be sick, ill, need treatment. And to find out that that was, they had come through your practice or your facility, your store, et cetera. Um, I know that's why a lot of small businesses closed down and why they were kind of so eager to in the beginning. Um, that's not great. Uh, if in the beginning of a pandemic, you were helping kind of, uh, you know, create a pocket where, where this thing could maybe continue to, to, uh, flourish. So we closed the office down and, um, a lot of people understood. We already started having cancellations. Uh, myself, uh, I have a lot of very committed patients and, uh, I know a lot of people were, uh, very hesitant to candle cancel. A lot of them would cancel very last minute. And, uh, if that was the case, you know, we waive fees and things like that because it was kind of a unique situation. So, um, we were just kind of playing along until we actually had to shut it down. Now, uh, taking the break, I will say for me personally, um, I don't know if I could have ever taken off a four day period or even a 10 day period or a two week period where I could have been able to genuinely reset my nervous system. Because typically if I, you know, take a vacation, um, the wife is helping plan things, but you know, I'm, I feel like I'm a little more in depth with kind of coordinating things, uh, especially if it was kind of, you know, my idea, this is kind of where we're going. This is kind of what I was thinking. So, um, just seeing how everything was kind of unfolding, it was like, okay, um, you know, kind of what, what can we get out of this? And I know a lot of folks were just like, oh, you know, this should be a time you're crushing it and, you know, writing that book you want to write and. Uh, all that good stuff. And Hey, if that's, if that's what you should be doing right now, then that's what you should be doing. Um, but if that didn't feel right in some way, that probably wasn't for you. Uh, and for myself, uh, I've been hammering my ass off for at least eight years, uh, trying to build a practice, trying to build something solid, uh, that I feel like there's a, a bit of a safety net, uh, not something that's fly by night. And, uh, we've built a good reputation. We have a good name for ourselves. Uh, I have a good name for myself as a therapist. Uh, so this has been, you know, this has been worked for. So the last thing I wanted to do was, you know, have it slip away, uh, because of liability issues. Somebody coming into the office, that was sick. Uh, but at the same time, I wanted to get the most out of the time, uh, the downtime. And for me, that ended up being spending time with my family, you know, spending time with my, uh, my now two year old, uh, my wife, we just got married in February and it was just such a good time to reset and it was, it couldn't have been rushed. You know, I always have this saying that, you know, you can't force the body to change. You have to invite the body to change. Uh, go ahead and force the body to change and see how it reacts for you next time. Uh, you're going to get a lot of feedback, a lot of pushback. Uh, the body doesn't like being told what to do. So, uh, I was just trying to get myself into, you know, a place where I was really, kind of appreciating what I was going through and, and understanding the significance of, you know, being home and, and being around your child and not feeling like you have to hustle, 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 which is a huge part of what it is to be. Um, I don't like to use the, the entrepreneur term. Uh, I'm a provider. So in whichever ways that I've cultivated to provide for my family, that's ultimately what I am. Um, I'm not going to go out and take a lot of big risks. 
Uh, I'm looking to take care of, uh, you know, myself, my own, my family, whether you're an employee, you're a family member, you're uh, my child, uh, you know, I'm looking to help those around me. I'm looking to help, you know, my community. Uh, I'm not looking to go leverage $100,000 on this new thing because it might be the hottest new deal, whatever, whatever, not my cup of tea. Um, so as we kind of, you know, got further and further into, uh, the quarantine, um, you know, at first I enjoyed it, but then there's also the concern of being a business owner and okay, you know, what's kind of on the line. And, uh, early on, I kind of made the decision before I even told my employees that I would just put them on a salary. And I had talked to a couple people. I knew kind of what was unfolding. A lot of folks were going straight to unemployment. I didn't feel comfortable with that. Uh, again, I feel like, you know, uh, the folks that are around me, their family, uh, I try to take care of family. And, uh, in this situation, that was what I felt was the right thing for me to do. Um, now later on down the road would, you know, an accountant look at that situation and say, Hey, this was the right decision. Maybe not, maybe not. And, um, as a business owner, you kind of learn lessons, but you also learn kind of where your integrity stands as a person, you know, what you're willing to do and what you're willing, you know, not willing to do for others. So, um, I just kind of, you know, made that decision early on. Um, I explained everything to the staff. I didn't really expect anything. Um, you know, I didn't expect, you know, this, that, or the other, you know, you don't have to go out and, you know, stand on the street corner and scream our name, uh, literally just go home, be with your family. Uh, I had fully anticipated this would be something that would pass. Uh, it has now been dragging on for quite some time. Uh, and I understand some of the concerns why. Um, but as a business owner, uh, things have to get going again. And, uh, as I have, I mean, now going through it and hopefully being towards the uh, the back end of it. Uh, I'm glad I've witnessed something like this in my lifetime, um, because there's a lot of, a lot of education that comes out of something like this. And, um, at the end of the day, as a business owner, I knew that, you know, after about a month, uh, I knew things weren't looking good. You know, people make promises, governments make promises. Um, I do believe people genuinely mean good, uh, but being a business owner, having a corporation, understanding corporate loopholes and trickery and things like that that they can use, um, and it's it's not that it's illegal; it's it's completely within their bounds, but it's just that people don't understand. And as you know, a thirty-year-old business owner. Uh, have been a business owner, I want to say since I was at least 23. Um, as clever as you think you are, and as much as you think you know, there's always somebody out there that knows more. And what I witnessed was basically stripped away any sense of any sense that was left of somebody's going to be willing to take care of you. So I had kind of bought into this idea that, you know, uh, 
the government has the interest of small businesses, true small businesses, um, in mind to keep America sustained. I mean, like when I noticed things slow down, it was everyone I know that has their own little small business and they maybe have less than five employees when everything was coming to a complete halt. Um, that's kind of shocking because those are the worker bees. Those are the folks that are out and about all the time. And to see all of that just slowly come to a halt, um, I can almost feel the agitation kind of building. Um, people don't do well when they're kind of suppressed that long. Um, like I said, even for myself, it was, you know, a, a great time. I got to, you know, hang with my family and reflect and do all this sort of stuff and realize kind of, you know, where my priorities were and what I wanted, you know, in the future. But at the same time, there was still this, you know, almost, a an urgency to want to go back to what you're doing. And part of it is, you know, we're, we're kind of programmed in our day to day, but there's also, especially in, in our field, um, there's a need that has to be filled or needs to be filled because people are genuinely unhappy. And especially during this time, you know, mental health is barely being talked about. You know, folks don't do well at home by themselves. Sometimes the, the social interaction they get at work is sometimes the only healthy social interaction that they get. And even if they get ridiculed and, you know, bullied at work, it's weird. Like that can be enough to get them by. So to have somebody just stuck at home and not being able to do anything, um, it just, it really strips away at you. So even having family around, I could feel, you know, this, uh, this sense of, I needed to provide for my family. You know, I was, I felt like I was, you know, at a certain point just kind of lounging around like a fat cat, um, as a man, especially when we're kind of, even as young boys programmed to, you know, score points and, uh, and win, and, you know, succeed, achieve, and eventually provide, um, we don't do well just not doing anything. And I noticed that a lot of other people that I knew were either deeming themselves essential, which in my opinion, every job is essential. Um, we shouldn't be nitpicking certain things. Um, I understand certain situations or certain areas can be, you know, more of a health risk. Uh, and I can understand things changing drastically, uh, in a very short period of time for the overall safety, but, uh, adjustments should be made and they should be made appropriately. And, uh, uh, I can, I think this entire process has been a bit, uh, delayed, um, even from when it was first mentioned, um, after talking to people now, uh, something was, was definitely going on months ago, but, uh, I digress. So finally, uh, kind of just having the courage to open up the clinic again, I made a decision one day and I was like, you know, we kind of have to open, um, we're kind of not going to have a clinic to come back to if we don't do something. And, uh, you know, thinking the way that I did in the beginning, like I previously mentioned, it was, I felt the noble thing or the right thing to do. Um, if you're an accountant, uh, looking at the numbers, maybe it didn't make a good thing. It wasn't a good idea to make, uh, that decision. But, uh, at the end of the day, that's what I chose to do. And what happens is, you know, you start to lose money and you start to lose money faster than you thought you'd lose money. 
And now as a business owner, you're in a situation where uh, you don't quite know what to do because it's new territory. And especially when you're waiting for help or support and that support doesn't show up, uh, you do what you instinctually know to do. So I began opening up the office uh, a couple days a week and uh, basically started in a smaller capacity, uh, was regulating who was coming in, if they were healthy or, you know, unhealthy, if they, you know, had something going on, if they felt feverish, doing our diligence, you know, it, 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 it shouldn't take a ton of explanation for you to just say, Hey, I was doing my diligence. You know, I was making sure people weren't ill. I was making sure people weren't licking walls and then, you know, people coming by and touching it afterwards. You know, it's ridiculous, but you do your diligence. And because I decided to do that, uh, I'm not in debt up to my ears now. And I also still have a clinic that I get to go back to on Monday morning. And that's an amazing feeling. And the more I have people ask me about, you know, uh, being open or, you know, kind of how we've handled this storm. And I'll tell you, it's been a fucking roller coaster. It has been a roller coaster to, you know, feeling like you're doing uh, your part in the bigger picture and then going to, hey, maybe we can just cruise right through this and this will be okay to holy shit, we're going to lose everything to, you know what? I don't really care who says what, uh, I have rights and I'm here to help people. And at the end of the day, uh, we're reducing, I mean, you name it, you know, people committing suicides from, uh, chronic pain had two of those last year. Um, People being, you know, abusive towards their family, shitty towards their kids. You know, a lot of people rely on what you do. And for somebody to say, you know, you can't do this or you can do that and, you know, leave it up to me. I'll make the best decision for you. Ain't about that. Ain't about that at all. So uh, that's my little rant. Uh, We are open. We've been open for, I don't know, a month or so now. And, uh, we've been cautious, uh, we've opened up slowly. We've, you know, like I said, checked out our patients, etc. And, uh, folks that are truly concerned, uh, stay home, stay home. Uh, you don't need to go out and about. There's plenty of services. Uh, I'm sure you got plenty of friends and family. If you don't hit up Craigslist, make a friend there, whatever you got to do. Um, you know, if you're concerned, you should distance yourself. Um, for the remainder of the population, uh, those of us that feel healthy, those of us that are willing to do, uh, what is responsible, uh, to keep ourselves healthy and other people healthy that we interact with. Uh, I think you should all go about your business and continue what you're doing. So, uh, don't know who needed to hear that, but that's my two cents. Um, I guess on a lighter note, uh, Bella turned two. So that was awesome. Uh, it is quite the interesting, uh, uh, the process of having a, uh, a two-year-old, the terrible twos, the toddler age. And, uh, I tell you, she's, uh, she's feisty. She's witty. 
and you know she'll run you around the house till you're falling in the dirt but uh, being or having the time I should say to be home and around the family and uh, around the little one and everything um, really made me reflect on how much I was working you know like I'd mentioned earlier worked my ass off for eight years uh, trying to make a name for myself trying to you know do something trying to make something and uh, it's no easy task so uh, now I'm to this point where uh, I just turned 30 last year and um, I'm reevaluating and in a sense um, reconstructing reorganizing um, you could say in a, a wizardry fashion uh, getting things aligned around me in a way that I see fit and fit my lifestyle and that suit me. Um, I've stopped seeing um, 4.45 and 6 o'clock patients. Um, this is an additional kind of cutback from a cutback that probably began three years ago when I stopped working Saturdays, which for me was a big deal. Um, and then I eventually, uh, was working Thursday mornings and teaching Thursday afternoons, which was insane. Uh, and then I decided to trim that back and just teach for a while. And about uh, a year and a half, two years ago, I retired from teaching because I was burning the candle at every end and had no grip on what I was doing and what I needed to be doing. And uh, I was still working late. And you're like, oh, four-day work week, you know. Sounds great. Uh, well, it was like 12-hour days. And our appointments aren't stacked back-to-back. -back. They are in a sense, but there's a little buffer time. So that buffer time adds up. It adds up almost like, you know, at least two hours in the day. So uh, I'm looking at all this time. I'm getting home late. Uh, it's fucking terrible. It's terrible. Uh, and especially to have, you know, a month off, you know, having pool parties with the, the kid and the wife in the backyard, uh, you know, just enjoying life. Oh, you want to go on a bike ride and it's, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. Great. Go for a bike ride. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so to go from that and get the joys and the experience from that, uh, there's no way in hell you're going to go back to what you're doing before. Uh, if you do, you're going to be miserable as shit and, you're going to figure out in a very short period of time that you got to change something or you're just going to be depressed. Uh, so the wife and I talked about it and I decided, Hey, this is what I'm looking to do. And just by making a simple change, I trimmed off two patients off the end of my day. And, uh, I basically took a patient through my lunch. Uh, now that seems crazy for some people, but there's plenty of people that intermittent fast and they understand not eating for a period of time. Uh, I can honestly say my digestion is better because I've made this change. Uh, but the other thing is my lunch usually drove my cortisol levels through the roof. Uh, I had uh, a little over an hour and basically I would want to drive home to see Bella and Amanda uh, and then I would drive back to work. So I would deal with traffic stress here, tra traffic stress back, eat, you know, try to squeeze something in. Maybe Amanda would have to run to the store. Maybe Bella wasn't napping and needed attention or, you know, just wanted me to interact with her in some way. 
And all of a sudden that time just shrank and shrank and shrank. And I just became a ball of stress and I'd run back into my afternoon and it was just like, boom, 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 just stacking things up. So, uh, after having this downtime, I was like, well, you know, we got, I got to make a change. Like I can't come home at, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. Like that's just fucking insane. Uh, and as I started thinking of different things I could do and how I could compress my schedule and different ways I could work it out, I was like, you know, like, I don't really like lunch, so let's try this out. And so I tried the new schedule, and like I said, uh, when we first opened, I was only open two days. Uh, second week, two days. Third week, uh, two and a half days. Uh, fourth week, three days. Uh, uh, probably next week, uh, we'll be open three days, maybe four and then come June, I'll be back to my four-day work week schedule, but my days are ending at 4.30 now. So by taking a patient at lunch, trimming two off the end of the day, with the time in between, I say, or I trimmed uh, three hours off the end of my day. So usually I would finish with my last patient at 7 o'clock. I would leave the office at 7.30. Uh, so now I'm leaving at 4.30, maybe a little bit after, uh, depending on you know what kind of needs to be handled before I leave the office. And, uh, then I'm good to go. And I will tell you for the first couple weeks that I worked, even those short, uh, uh, short weeks, it was weird coming home and sunlight still being out and having an opportunity to get things done before I really needed to kind of, you know, polish up the day, get everything settled and go to sleep. And, uh, I can honestly say I'm much happier because of this. Um, my day seems like a breeze, honestly, because I mean, I've been crushing eight patients a day for four years at least. And to not have that patient load, and it's not even like it's a big difference. It's an hour. It's one less patient. Uh, but because I do it all the way through and I don't have that compounding stress in the middle of my day, uh, which I was sacrificing, I was willing to do that. I was like, you know, it's my family. It's my girls. I'm going to go home. I want to see them. Uh, and it would just be fucking miserable. So maybe this is something somebody needs to hear too. But if you're doing that to yourself, like quit that shit. Like you got to figure out a new strategy. And like I said, a lot of people are handling what we're going through right now in different ways. And for me, uh, I've been prepared to weather the storm a little bit better. I'm not as concerned. What I'm more concerned about is my mental health and well-being. And I know there's other people that are in a similar way that don't need to be, you know, overly concerned about paying their electric bill, but they would be way, way better off if they gave a damn about their mental health and chose to acknowledge that something has to change and they would be much, much happier in their life. So for me, it was a big change. It was a big deal. Um, I had a, a new schedule day today. Um, today was the, the third day, last day of the week, and I was off at 4.30. Uh, I had some car troubles, so I went and bought some parts for my car uh, that had come in, and I went and picked up the little one. And uh, we came home, and, you know, we hung out for a while, and, you know, she drank kombucha, and I did some work on the car, and, you know, uh, my afternoon was great. There wasn't a, an immediate like, oh shit, it's nine o'clock at night. Uh, you just ate, you know, maybe it'd be a good time to take a shower. 
and then, you know, hit the sheets because you got to be up again, you know, bright and early tomorrow because you got an 8 o'clock patient. So uh, I can honestly say uh, I have a bit more of my sanity back. And if you are a chronic workaholic, uh, getting to a place where uh, you're truly in a good place and happy, um, it's probably going to take some time. And you may realize that there are layers uh, to you kind of finding a settle point. You know, I thought it was going to be, I was going to hit it when I, I pulled back from teaching. I was, you know, I'm, I'm not doing all this driving. Uh, I'm not teaching anymore. I don't have that, you know, that extra stress. Um, you know, this would be good. And I'll tell you, it was maybe for like a month or two. And then, you know, that new, that new shine, that new luster wears away. Right. And you're back to the normal grind. And what I wasn't changing was every day I was just tapping myself out, um, just running myself through the day. You know, I mean, I could probably see 12 patients a day if I only saw them for, you know, 30 minutes a pop. Uh, that'd be a terrible, I, don't know, I wouldn't like that at all, but uh, I could do it, but it's more of just working all day long, literally like seeing the sun go up and then watching the sun, the sun go down and you get home and everybody that you love and want to interact with has already gone about their day and you didn't get to participate in it. That's a shit feeling. So uh, that was one of my biggest takeaways uh, from this whole thing. One of my own personal experiences, you know, there's a ton of business stuff I'd like to do, a lot of ideas. Um, I have a therapy tool, the Hyper Roller. You know, there's a ton of shit I'd like to do for that too. But at the end of the day, uh, I can't do any of that if I'm fucking miserable. So, uh, you know, I hope some people that maybe are still, you know, taking things a little bit lightly, uh, aren't going back, you know, balls of the wall, trying to, you know, get back into their, their same old work routine, you know, do an assessment look at what, what you're doing, what's around you, you know, uh, how you're behaving, you know, what makes you happy? What doesn't make you happy? Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta audit that stuff. You gotta, you gotta take note of it. And trust me, it took, it took this, it took the country shutting down and literally everyone I know around me shutting down so that I finally slowed down enough to think about it. Uh, it's terrible to think about it. I mean, it's terrible to think that, you know, you can get so caught up in a workflow that you're, uh, just like a mad, a madman just running wild. Just, Oh, the more I do, the better it'll be. It's not, it's not. It's not, it's not the way it works. Um, you got to do it to an extent. Like I said, there's a time and a place. Uh, it's definitely a young man's game. I'm still young. I'm not saying that that's like, you know, I'm old and I put my time in. Uh, I'm still fucking working my dick off. Okay. Like it's, it's still, it's still hard. There's still lessons. There's still things to be learned. Uh, but if I were starting what I'm doing now, um, I feel like it was a good eight years to fuck up and make mistakes and kind of, you know, get to where I am now. Um, if, if I was starting then at the age I am now, I would try to act much smarter because I'm coming in with more wisdom, more age. Uh, I would like to think the things that took me eight years would take a wiser man half that or less than. Uh, and I don't see why not. Um, when you're younger, you, you mess around and, you know, spend a lot of time doing meaningless things. 
uh, or things that don't work um, in their lessons. They are, but at the same time, uh, if you've witnessed other people uh, have these lessons, sometimes those lessons can take a shorter period of time and ultimately can yield you some, you know, a greater benefit on the back end if applied. So, um, yeah, yeah. Let me think here. Uh, I would like to um, talk a little bit about our uh, our loan situation because we did ap- apply for uh, the payroll loans. Uh, I won't. Well, you know what? I'll dabble in a little bit. Uh, companies that you heard of like Shake Shack and Ruth's Chris, uh, I believe Ruth's Carlton. Uh, the way corporations work, and this was kind of a, a humbling thing for me to experience, was, you know, I'm a corporation. I, I think I understand things, but uh, there are always levels to it. And because these entities are usually separate entities under a mother entity, um, they can kind of, it's a, I'll say it's a hat trick, but it's really not a hat trick. They're just saying, hey, this is what we staff, you know, this is what we need, et cetera, et cetera. So because they're an entity of themselves, uh, even though they're a part of something bigger, uh, a lot of these companies were able to get loans. And I don't know if this is factual or not, but I've heard many, many people tell me this, uh, even my accountant, but I've been told that bankers were getting commissions from the loans that they issued, which means if, you know, Joe needs $50,000 and Sally, who owns McDonald's, needs $50 million, they want the commission from the $50 million. Um, It's human nature. So the first round of funding, we basically, again, like I said, going into the situation, we felt as though if we did our part, uh, we would be taken care of in some way. Um, That is not the system we live in, and I don't think that's a good way for anybody to really go about their their existence thinking that something's going to magically show up and support you. Um, As I have now felt myself, that is not going to happen. So you have to, you have to try to strategize the best, the best kind of you can. Um, For us, uh, like I said, kind of done a decent job of preparing for rainy days. Um, I knew that we would lose a certain amount, uh, but I was under the impression and and hopeful uh, that things would be reimbursed. And because uh, things were underfunded and maybe companies got certain greedy, and I do understand that people work for these companies. I'm not bashing them for doing what they did. Uh, I just don't think you should incentivize a program uh, for the sales associates uh, that are communicating with the people that need the funds. Uh, I think that in of itself uh, kind of gears the, uh, you know, the motivation to the bigger corporations. Uh, if I ask Joe, hey, uh, you're going to make the same commission. Would you like to do the company that has 350 employees or would you like to work on the company that has five? Uh, Joe's going to go with the company that says five because it's much less work for him. But because we have technology and because we're in just the modern age that we live in, uh, 350 people can process pretty quick. Uh, 
And if you add a commission that's higher uh, for those individuals, uh, you've now put people in a situation where if you have fewer employees, you're less valuable to the sales associate, which I think is pretty twisted. Um, so again, I'm not really bashing, you know, what people did, what companies did. Uh, I'll shit talk them a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, they are corporations. Um, this is the way the game is played. If you don't understand it, educate yourself. Um, so I'm not too disappointed. Uh, I was greatly relieved when things were refunded because, uh, the cash that they had first allocated wasn't enough by any means. So, uh, we had made it through, we had done our diligence with the paperwork and things like that. So we had made it through underwriting. So when the second level of funding came through, we got it. Now that was five weeks after we were supposed to receive it. Now, if you think of what, you know, salary or, or what payroll is, uh, for five weeks, uh, that's a full month's rent. That's utilities. That's any sort of maintenance you have done. Um, any processors, any, uh, monthly, uh, accounts that you pay for all of that is due in that five week period plus some. So we immediately kind of end up in this place where we, you know, you just got to do something. You got to do something. Um, so I want to say it's been at least a month now, maybe, um, since we finally got funding. And now, uh, as a business owner, I am <laughs> continuing to go back with my accountant, my CPA, and trying to figure out the ins and outs and the fine prints of the loans that we accepted. Uh, the people who issued the loans have no idea what's going on. And, uh, people are now trying to figure out, uh, the pay periods and the way that they wrote everything was that basically everything after you received, uh, your loan was going to be covered. So now you end up in a position where you've told people that they were going to be taken care of in some way or helped at least not taken care of. I shouldn't say that. Uh, you're going to be assisted. They're going to help you float the essentials, basically. Um, if you have a you know Lamborghini payment and you somehow wrote that off underneath your business and it's due, that's on you, Jack. You know that's got nothing to do with a roof over your head and a place for your employees to go during the day. Um, but to tell people or give them the impression that things are going to be covered for a certain period or from a certain period, and then when you know the goods actually show up. It's like, ah, well, you know, uh, change all those dates by a month and then, you know, we'll be back on schedule again. So again, it just comes back to, you know, you can't be reliant on a system and you can't always be willing to, uh, just comply and go with the flow. I mean, I've yet to receive, you know, an email, a memo, a text message, phone call, a carrier pigeon, uh, telegraph, nothing, nothing from the department of health, nothing from any massage chair, uh, saying anything, anything about the type of work that we do and how they are going to differentiate between a therapeutic setting and a spa setting. There's no such guidelines. There's no guidelines 
and they just want you to, you know, go along with the flow. And I have, I have people reach out to me daily. You know, they're confused on, you know, what's going on. Um, you know, what should I do? Well, that's your personal choice. You know, it's not mine. Um, everybody feels differently about what's going on. Uh, but there's a lot about what I've experienced as a business owner uh, and as a therapist that is uh, very uneasy and um, puts me in a place where I have to be hyper proactive in getting the essentials that we need. You know, if we need masks at the office because patients require us to wear masks, then we're going to have masks. Um, if we need to sanitize, you know, whatever we need, we're going to have it. We're going to take care of it. Um, but at the same time to bring everything to a halt and think everything's just going to be okay, um, isn't the way it works. Um, not only does it affect people's mental health, their emotional well-being, um, but it obviously affects the economy. I mean, you, you can't put all the worker bees away and say, Hey, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow. Um, just wait out for a little bit longer, you know, just hold out. It's fine. It's fine. So, um. I mean, I hope anybody out there that's, you know, questioning, getting their practice going, uh, I'm not advocating that you break any laws. I've yet to see a law that I've broken. Um, but I do recommend that you decide to, you know, do what's right for you and your family. Um, this is a, a time where, you know, uh, critical thinking kind of rules. Uh, don't just listen to people. Uh, don't just go with the flow. Uh, question things. Look up information for yourself. Look up the, you know you feel in your gut, Hey, I'm lacking in some way. I need to understand some certain guidelines better. Uh, you should be doing that and you should be proactively taking charge of your company and the direction you want it to go in. Um, there are people out there that need help. Uh, there's people out there that we, uh, that know that we help them. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there that are suffering because we aren't helping them. So, uh, Whoever this gets to, uh, just keep that in mind. You know, you're not the only one out there. Uh, we're all struggling in a different way. Um, but just speaking from experience, this is something I've never seen before. But uh, thinking that things are going to be in place to uh, to take care of you, don't rely on it. Don't rely on it. Um, you really have to. You have to. You know, carve your own way through the jungle. Um, you know, whether that be your business or your personal, um, you should always be preparing for that rainy day because you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and you got to be able to weather the storm at least for a while. Uh, a lot of people can get beat up for, you know, a few months and, uh, that could, that could take you from one end to the other. Um, uh, but if you barely have enough to get by month to month, something's got to change. You got to do some restructuring. You got to look at where money's going, you know, what your, uh, you know, what you're focusing on, what your priorities are. And, uh, I know for me, you know, I built out, uh, a whole nother room office space that I didn't really need, uh, in anticipation that I would have those people coming into my life, uh, to contribute and to build a clinic. So you just need to build kind of what's, you know, what your vision is kind of what your, uh, where you're aspiring to get, excuse me, where you're aspiring to, uh, to get to. All right. Take a uh, whiskey sip break here. Ch -ch 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 -ch. 
All right, well, we covered all that. So uh, let's get into some patient stuff. There was a couple patients I had seen before we went on quarantine that were really cool. Um, one in particular I thought was really interesting because she had a fairly simple uh, distortion. And I'll try to explain this. I'm sure I've talked about this before. Um, but this woman came in, so she's a, a, a nurse practitioner. She works with my uh, my wife. She's a, a nurse here at the, the local hospital. And uh, <laughs> when we talk about things, or at least when I talk about things, uh, I talk about pain very casually. You can tell me how terrible your shoulder problem is, and I will disregard it and kind of downplay it and maybe make a joke about it. Not trying to be disrespectful, but because I know that you can be so much better than you are right now. So uh, me and my wife have kind of cultivated a sense of humor. Uh, and we know, like, you know, we should do certain things. We won't do certain things. We'll just kind of joke about it. So she was having an interaction with this woman at work. And uh, the woman said something about her knee. And she had this knee pain, back pain, all this stuff. And, uh, Amanda goes, oh, well, you know, you should try this stretch, blah, blah, blah. And she's made recommendations like this to other nurses before, uh, around the hospital. And, you know, they'll do what she's recommending and they'll come back because it's something I've told her, you know, uh, you know, at some point, like, Hey, uh, my hips a little tight. Oh, okay. We'll try this, you know, do this. Oh, my shoulders a little tight. Okay. Try this, try this. So she kind of regurgitates that information to them. Uh, and it's hilarious because these are healthcare practitioners in our hospitals and they come back and they're like blown away. They're like, holy cow, you know, my knee stopped hurting, my back loosened up, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's funny. Um, we should, we should educate everyone better. Uh, but there's just so much lack of education that happens, uh, for a lot of individuals that are, you know, LPNs, nurses, doctors, et cetera, when it comes to soft tissue and how the body is, you know, basically very malleable. So, uh, this woman comes in, she, uh, has tried everything. She's went to massage, chiropractic, acupuncture, um, you know, uh, doing stem shock stuff, doing ultrasound stuff, all this junk. And, uh, I do an assessment. I immediately find she's has a flexion disorder. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that's when one hip bone, the hip bone itself is flexing forward, like cranking forward, like a pulley. And the other one is maybe neutral, uh, or it's actually going backwards. It's going into extension. It's going reversed to what the other side's doing. Now, when this happens, depending on which side is flexed, the sacrum will kick off to one side or the other. Okay. So like the bottom of the hip bone and your tailbone get closer. Well, what I've discovered which this may not even be new information, but this is something that I've learned in my career is when people are stuck in this position, sometimes even for a short period of time, the ligaments, the sacral ligaments, uh, will begin to stiffen. And basically the, uh, this patient's session, her first one went, uh, through, okay, what have you done? We did an assessment flexion disorder. Okay. Seeing all the stuff's going on start releasing all these hip flexors, starting to release some adductor muscles, releasing some stuff in her hip. In a couple areas, she said, you know, hey, you know, this person's worked on this before and this person's worked on this. And that's not an uncommon response, right? Everybody always says, hey, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And yet all of those people, if maybe rolled together, 
could have done all of it and been successful. Or if maybe a couple of them could have just, you know, brainstormed a little bit. They could have maybe treated some things in a little bit of a fashion and gotten things to loosen up. Well, to my surprise, whoever had worked on this woman actually did a fairly decent job through all the years and whatever she had done. Um, that a lot of the areas that I knew were in a state of dysfunction weren't as bad as they could have been. And so I could tell, like, people had been needing her muscles. People had been doing some work. The one thing that I found that no one had touched and actually brought her quite a bit of pain, and I believe is why not only was the flexion disorder causing some SI joint compression and pain, but because her sacrum had been kicked off to one side for such a long period of time, the ligaments on that side had hardened up. So I took my little massage star and went in there and do, 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 like dug it out and uh, boom, loosened up. She had some referral pains and stuff like that. Trigger points, very common, typically goes away. Um, everything softened up and I could feel, you know, you bounce back and forth. You go check the other side. Okay, no response there. Come back to the other side. Okay, still a little bit tender. You treat it a little bit more and you just feel it soften and you just feel like that ligament gets squishy again instead of like a hard steel rod. And immediately, woman stands up, walks around, immediately notices something's different. And I knew she noticed something's different. And as you've done this for a while, you start to read people. Because people aren't always honest because they don't always understand what they're feeling. Not because they want to be dishonest. It's just because they've never experienced what you've just given them. So if now all of a sudden their shoulder does something that it probably hasn't done in maybe six months... They're going to have kind of a bewildered, confused look on their face. They're not going to quite understand it 100%. Sometimes they won't want to say that it's necessarily better or that it's less painful. Um, they'll just say it's different. And it's because they, they've they been in a situation before where they told somebody, hey, it's better. And then that person never went back and did that thing again. So a lot of people are operating from that point of view. So when you're, you know, when you're a therapist, when you're assessing people, the assessment's constantly taking place. You're constantly reading that person and kind of what they're doing, whether it's body language when you're working on them or when it's their uh, uh, biomechanics, with their body mechanics, when they actually stand up and get off the chair or get off the table and start moving around again. How are they moving? Are they moving gingerly? Are they swaying back and forth? You know, do they have their balance? Were cranial bones out? I mean, there's just a lot of stuff. You're constantly pulling in information. So we did the whole ligament thing, softened up, Immediately, everything else that may have been reacting from the flexion disorder calmed down because the ligament, basically what I had, my conclusion was the ligament was remained hard through the entirety of everything that she's done. So all the soft tissue work, all the stuff people had been doing and working with her, it basically got that to loosen up or got all the soft tissue to loosen up, but it wasn't getting, nobody had went to go treat the ligaments because nobody goes, oh, the ligaments are hard. We should treat the ligaments. They just go, oh, the ligament's a ligament, and it is what it is, and whatever position it's in and whatever it's doing is is that, and it's constant. That's not the case. Um, this was just a, hey, I'm going to go through what I know to look for. This wasn't a, oh, I know the ligament's messed up or the ligament's stiff. Uh, this was just me going through the steps of it all, but that's because I've had patients where I put them in a lift and they had worse pain because it looked like they had a short leg and then realizing down the road when I did a more thorough treatment and I had actually gotten the ligaments and things like that to soften their pelvis had a functional imbalance that eventually settled. And now all of a sudden, Hey, 
they're fine without a lift. And I was actually causing more of a problem putting them in that lift in the first place. So, uh, just kind of a really kind of neat, you know, new patient. I love when I get healthcare practitioners in because it blows their mind. There's like, what the hell did you just do? Like they just know something's different and that's awesome. You know, that's, you know, you get that reaction from most people anyway, being a neurosomatic therapist, but you know, to see somebody else that does healthcare that may be doing things that, uh, I mean, I don't want to say that you would feel are, uh, more significant, you know, just cause you can, you know, give somebody an IV or cut something open doesn't mean you're more or less valued in comparison to another healthcare practitioner. Um, but they're just geared different. You know, if I had a question about medications, I go ask my wife, Hey, what's this medication? What are known side effects? You know, maybe what are some complications that people have? You know, how do they have to change the dosage? You know, how do they have to do this or that? Like those, that's all information they know. But if you start asking, you know, information about, Hey, how's your body move? And what's this muscle do? And, you know, how do you look at this? And, you know, what does it mean if this is happening? They got no idea. You know, we're all trained in our own little scope. So uh, when you get other healthcare practitioners in, uh, try to bond with that person in some way. Try to, you know, even if it's just sharing the, you know, the love of uh, healthcare, getting in, you know, you both got into this for a reason. You have something in common. Um, and if, especially if you help them, uh, I mean, it just opens their eyes to this whole other world of like, wow, what else is the body doing that I'm not fully understanding? And that makes them a better practitioner because then whether or not they start looking at, you know, NST or soft tissue work or anything like that, they just maybe start looking at other stuff and, you know, become intrigued in some way. That's great, you know, because we're all kind of keeping each other's fire stoked and keeping each other motivated. So, um, yeah, that was just a neat one. Talking ligaments, you know, sacral ligaments. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Especially with everything else, you know, already being fairly loosey-goosey. Um, what else, what else, what else? Um, I had a note on here. I had a patient that I was doing some kidney work on and I initially thought it was helping her shoulder tilt. Um, it was creating a, uh, uh, a trigger point referral into her shoulder, which we now have MRIs on and we know, um, her AC joint slightly. Uh, I guess we'll just say deformed. Um, there's a slight anatomical variation in it. Uh, the cartilage is a little bit thinner. Um, but we just had a weird day where I was working on her kidneys, uh, in particular, her right kidney, which sets a little bit lower because of her liver on that side. Um, but it was going straight to her shoulder and I could have sworn after the treatment, her shoulders changed. And, um, she's that type of case where, something will happen one treatment and you better damn well check it next time because it may be completely gone, uh, or completely changed, uh, or constant, you know, it just, uh, it chooses what it wants to be at any given point. And, uh, this was one of those situations that although she had some, uh, trigger point referrals into the shoulder from her kidney on that side, um, ultimately, you know, it reduced a little bit of feedback into her obliques. I was able to get the obliques to calm down a little bit more in the QL in the back. But um, overall, it was just kind of, uh, I don't know. It seemed like an immediate change. 
but when she'd come back in, uh, she was back to that same distortion. We had checked the kidney again, uh, not nearly the same reaction as far as like a release or, you know, things changing or improving. Um, and then did a little bit to her shoulders and then that was kind of it. But when she came back in, a lot of it refacilitated. The trigger point didn't, but the tr the shoulder tilt did. And knowing what we know now, she has a little more um, activity in her supraspinatuses on both sides. And uh, she has a certain amount of uh, uh, deltoid bursitis as well, uh, which oddly you could feel because uh, her deltoid actually felt calloused when I first started treating her. Um, so we've taken a little different course of action. We've uh, begun working solely on depressors of the shoulder, uh, things that are uh, potentially reacting and pulling down, uh, whether it's specifically the deltoid or the uh, supraspinatus, but also some of the other contributors like biceps and stuff like that. We get some big dogs that she's kind of tending to. So um, that's still a work in progress. And um, yeah, some patients, they're just... Uh, they're tough cases. Um, they just, uh, I don't know. Some people are just diligent, like super, super diligent. And it's good to see. It's good to see that people are willing to commit to, you know, Hey, this may be my today, but it, you know, it's not going to be my tomorrow or at least eventually it won't be to my tomorrow. I'm at least going to make, you know, strided effort in a certain direction to try to improve myself or improve my overall well-being. And if I fail, then damn it, at least I tried. So uh, that's always cool. That's always cool. Um, uh, t -t 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 there's a couple patients I've been doing some uh, oral treatments to, uh, specifically uh, individuals that grind and clench. Uh, just to kind of start things off and, and especially if they have cranial trauma and they've, you know, tell me of some maybe previous, uh, head traumas or maybe sporting accidents, things like that. Um, but I've just been doing a lot of cheek work. Uh, so not even getting into like the, you know, big, deep muscles, you know, like masseter and pterygoids and stuff like that. Uh, just working cheeks. And, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, whether it be people clenching, grinding, chewing the inside of their mouth. Uh, even kids, I worked on my, um, uh, uh, my niece the other night and she had run into, well, she said a wall, but I think she like fell into a table and she had a little, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a bruise on her cheek. And, uh, I gave her a popsicle kind of conjure into it. And I was like, Hey, you know, let me check out your cheek. So I worked on the inside of her cheek a little bit and, uh, her cheek felt like trash. Uh, it felt terrible. And it's the same kind of feeling that I feel I felt in many other patients. And some patients will even describe it like it burns. Uh, and I've realized it's anything where people are like sucking. So obviously my niece, you know, sucking her thumb. Um, and then from the, the trauma of, you know, kind of falling, hitting her cheek or whatever, that was kind of the big issue on her, uh, her right side. But uh, a lot of people I've noticed like smokers, um, or people, like I mentioned, like a nervous habit chewing on the inside of your cheek. I'm guilty of that sometimes. Um, clenching, grinding. I have patients that, you know, know they should wear a night guard and they don't. Uh, some of them believe that, you know, it kind of entices them to chew more or to grind more. 
Um, and I've had some that after we do a simple, you know, kind of cheek treatment, they actually feel like they don't have the tendency to want to clench and grind. Uh, but part of that is, you know, just nervous tension left in their system and, uh, they're going to bed with it. So, uh, again, you know, we, we could maybe state, you know, much like I've kind of went through my own transfer transformation during this time. Uh, many of us that are maybe going to bed with a lot of tension, uh, maybe need to make some adjustments, uh, or have a talk or, you know, make whatever change or, you know, due diligence progress that we need to do. Uh, and we'd probably notice that some of that, that tension ease up. Um, or maybe it's just as simple as, you know, taking a moment to chill out, you know, meditate, do your thing, just kind of, you know, chill out for a moment and just let your body rid itself of all of that before you literally take it to bed and then sleep with it all night. Um, so yeah, the cheek stuff's really cool. Um, fairly simple treatment. You just glove up and you more or less just kind of, uh, um, like you were rolling, uh, you know, like clay in your, uh, between your thumb and your index finger. Uh, you just kind of roll it, you know, we call it cross fibering. Uh, if you understand fiber direction and what muscles you're kind of working on, if not, I mean, you know, just do it like a caveman, um, you know, cross fiber it. So if you feel a, you know, a certain muscle and it's one direction, just strum across it like a guitar string. And, uh, I'll tell you, I've helped myself with headaches. Um, I've had patients come in, their heads all jacked up, all their cranial bones are misaligned. Boom. Do a, 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 a cheek treatment on them. And I'll tell you what, immediately all the cranial bones start calming down. And what's interesting is it actually begins to remove tone off the uh, posterior side of the neck as well. You'll actually feel that individual's neck loosen up. Usually, uh, whoever you're treating will notice that, you know, their back kind of, neck kind of eases up a little bit. And um, they may feel almost like a, a, a head rush or a sense of dizziness when they sit up because you are leaving pressure on the cranial bones. Your body has to regain kind of its sense of proprioception and feedback of, you know, kind of where you are in space. Once that change has been made, your body kind of has to recalibrate. Um so yeah, that was, that's been something I've been doing with a lot of people. Um, I worked on a newborn, uh, about a week and a half ago now. And that was one thing that I wanted to do. Uh, but I was actually pretty satisfied with the way the treatment went because I was able to get enough to loosen up just from working on her neck. Um, I've discovered kind of segueing new conversation, um, discovered working with infants uh, initially I thought if you had a C-section or forcep, you know, type birth, uh, or your child did that you were hundred percent, you know, or 90%, whatever, um, going to have some sort of distortion in your child's neck or in their cranial bones. Now having my own child, my own little Guinea pig, uh, we had a natural birth at home, uh, with no drugs in a tub and, that little girl had some issues when she came out. So, uh, I worked on her neck immediately, got her Atlas back in proper alignment. Uh, what I found is by, if, if I can loosen things up and get the Atlas back into place, majority of the time, the cranium will follow. If it doesn't, that means attachments in or around the cranium are causing those distortions to refacilitate, which is where the cheek work can really come into handy. Just doing like the first layer. There's obviously other layers to it. But that in itself, I found, can really provide a lot of relief. So uh, uh, little Nora, 
uh, I was working on. Uh, she was too small. Uh, I'm big club-like caveman hands. And uh, uh, to try to do cheek on an infant that small, it's just too much. She was only two weeks old. Uh, you need to understand as a therapist when to kind of pump your brakes. You know, when, like, you don't have to do something just that day because it came to you or you're like, oh, this would be a good idea. Uh, certain things can wait. So I made the judgment call with Nora and I was like, Hey, uh, I'm going to work on her neck. Uh, I'm going to opt to not do any cheek work or anything like that to try to take pressure off her cranium. Uh, she was a C-section and I can't recall if mom said that she was, um, uh, a forcep or a vacuum baby or anything like that. Uh, but regardless, um, any birth is not an easy birth. So checking children after they're born, uh, if you know someone that's having a child and they're comfortable with you touching that child, um, I would highly recommend uh, donating your services and just going over and do it because from what I've seen, it can drastically change how that child develops, um, how they think and perceive the world around them, how they later on will do in school cognitively. I mean, amazing, amazing things I've seen unfold uh, doing good cranial work for kids. So sooner the better, sooner the better. But uh, little Nora, I was able to work on her for, oh, maybe 10 minutes or so. Uh, got her neck to start loosening up and worked on her belly a little bit. Kind of got her, uh, her organs just to, to soften uh, a bit. Basically, she was having minor kind of colicky type symptoms, which are easily remedied if you can do some good visceral massage and if you can work on the base of the neck. Uh, if you can get their C1 back into place, you'll alleviate that pressure on the C1 or on the uh, the vagus nerve, and that in itself will calm down uh, the uh, uh, the gut and uh, should also kind of help with uh, breathing and heart rate and almost kind of mellow that individual or the infant, um, just kind of putting them into more of a, a, a sedated kind of state. Uh, she definitely mellowed out, uh, but after working on the belly, she was hungry. So she went and fed, and I swear that kid probably ate for a good 30 minutes. It seemed like it took forever. But she came out, and <laughs> the little baby was completely passed out. Worked on her some more, and um, after, I want to say, I don't know, maybe another 10 minutes or so, uh, her neck was super loose. Uh, there was a lot of room. I could feel her atlas in ways that I couldn't feel her atlas before. You know, when I first started, it just kind of felt like a bunch of kind of mushy tissue. You know, things are just kind of like jammed up. And that's kind of, I'll try to describe that to people too. When you feel, you know, tissue that's dysfunctional, it just feels like a messy room. Like it doesn't feel good. You know, if you can, if you say new a bone well enough that if you're blind, you'd be like, Oh, I'm on that part. And you can just kind of blindly feel the contours of the bone and, and where you're at and have a good kind of understanding. You're going to lose all of that when soft tissue is tight. So the first go around working on her was just kind of like opening it up. And then the second go around, I can actually feel her little baby Atlas and I could feel her little baby levator scapula going down to her right shoulder so I worked on the top of her right shoulder a little bit more, and then I rubbed her little baby bicep because I knew her whole little body was in full flexion and just got that tension off her shoulder, and immediately, boom, her neck will let go. That little bit of pressure came off, and I knew she was going to sleep, but, geez, I think her father texted me and said, 
she was sleeping for like four or five hours, something like that. It was like, <laughs> I want to say it was like almost five hours later. And, uh, I think she was still out and, uh, who knows what pressure that took off her body, what pressure that took off her nervous system, what benefits or what, what things in her growth cycle are going to come easier now, uh, because of that small correction. And I mean, like I'd mentioned my daughter, uh, I'd worked on her within the first five minutes she was born. Um, I think that it made a huge difference in some of the, uh, minor complications that we had in the beginning. Uh, she was a little tachypnic and had a uh, low blood oxygen levels. So, um, her lungs were a little wet, but after doing some skin to skin and after some of the stuff that I had uh, done to her neck, um, boom, all that mucus came up. Uh, her lungs cleared up, her blood oxygen level shot through the roof and she was good as gold. And I have worked on her a couple times since then she's fallen and maybe landed a certain way. And I've worked on her leg or on her arm and you know, it hurts. There's, uh, you know, when you cause trauma to an area, uh, that area goes to guard itself. And when it's in a guarded state, it's going to be tender. And there's ways you can try to manipulate around that and sometime and but a lot of times you just have to kind of get in there and make it happen uh and as sucky as that is to put your your child through something where it's uncomfortable it's painful there's something i've learned is from working on myself and just being a therapist is like you just have to go through the shit sometimes and i think if like that's a, a good lesson in itself for your kids like sometimes it's going to suck, but what's on the other side is a lot better. And a lot of my patients, I feel like I have a love hate relationship with, you know, they love me when they come in, they love me when they go out and they hate me every time in between. And that's because I'm doing things that are uncomfortable that push them out of their comfort zone, but ultimately it's benefiting them at the end of the day. And they recognize that. And that's why they keep coming back. So uh, there have been those moments where I've had to work on Bella and it's very uncomfortable and it sucks seeing your child in pain. Uh, but what's amazing on the back end is the little look in their eyes when they look at you, like you literally like just created a miracle. You made whatever was going on go away. Uh, and I've had that happen a couple times. And now my daughter Bella is very eager to get work done. Uh, when I was working on her niece, she was, uh, the entire time in the background going, my turn, my turn, my turn. So I believe it's of huge benefit. If you get them going early, much like if you would want, you know, your child to, to play an instrument or play a sport, get them started early, get them started early in soft tissue work, expose them to taking care of this vessel that carries you around. And, uh, I think it'll, it just pays back tenfold. I mean, I think we'll see uh, a different generation. We'll see different people living in the future than we see right now because they're actually being told and information's being passed on that, you know, you need to take care of this thing. Whereas before we've thought we could use and abuse it and run at a hundred mile an hour and not have any blowouts and not have any issues. And we know that that's not the case. So why not prepare our children to better understand, um, you know, what they're working with and ways that they can, you know, kind of better support it, keep it healthy. So I think I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up here for now. It's getting late. I don't want to wake up the little one. 
Uh, I will try to get this out this weekend. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed some of my rants and some of my struggles and knowing that you're not the only one in it. We're all in it. Um, if you got any questions, hit me up. Till we meet again, take care.